Whether you're a first-time listener or viewer or you are subscribed to the Gospel Eyes with Greg Steer podcast and tune in with us every month, thank you so much for being here. My name is Jason Lamb, and I am excited. We are at the finale of Greg's How to Gospelize Your Youth Ministry series. We're on value number seven, ongoing programs reflect it. Youth leaders, it, it's paramount that you listen in today, take notes. Don't forget to download the listening guide and the discussion guide, especially for this episode. Ongoing programs reflect it is really where we lean in as leaders and take these values and make them normal within our youth ministry. So I'm excited for what Greg has to share and how it's going to impact you and your youth ministry. As a quick reminder, if you're not subscribed to the podcast, please do that on your podcast platform. Rate it, review it, give us some love on social media. We love hearing from you all, and it is a blessing to get to serve you and your ministries. We've been talking for the last six episodes about the seven gospel advancing values. How do you build a gospel advancing ministry? We're at the seventh value now, which is ongoing programs reflect it. In other words, your programs reflect your priorities. It's true in ministry. This is true in life. This is true in marriage. I saw this firsthand probably about, man, 25 years ago. I was married. I had, uh, Pat was pastoring a church. I was doing Dare to Share. I was busy all the time. I was gone. You know, you're in ministry, gone almost every night sometimes and as a pastor was counseling and meetings and elders and and then on the weekends I was gone with Dare to Share and when I came home quite honestly I was exhausted so I had no emotional bandwidth for my wife and she was upset and we we got in an argument on the way to church one night uh actually it was the way to a bible study I know you've never gotten an argument with your spouse on the way to church or a bible study happened to us and we're in, sitting in the car just arguing back and forth and people from the Bible study are walking by. By the way, just as a side note, if you're newly married and you're sitting in the car talking with your spouse, everybody passing by knows you're in a fight. Just, just give you a little heads up. So I go, well, put on a happy face. We're going in. So we go in. We get in a big Bible study circle. Thank the Lord. I'm not leading the Bible study. Pastor Green is. He's the associate pastor there. And he's he's like kind of, you know, that night, he's like, you know what? Instead of like our normal Bible study, why don't we go around the circle and let's get real and let's get raw and let's get honest. I'm like, oh, no. Here we go. So he goes around the room and I'm thinking, man, I, how am I going to spin this? And he gets to me first. And uh, and he says, how's it going, Pastor Steer? I'm like, you know, I've been struggling. I said, uh I've been gone a lot, I would dare to share, busy with the church, when I get home at night, sometimes I'm too tired to really connect with my wife, so pray we're able to kind of work it out, and I'm, I'm touching on it, but not really dealing with it. My wife is seething mad. Now, you have to understand my wife to appreciate this. She is quiet. She's pretty shy. She doesn't like to speak in public. She doesn't like to pray in public. And so he gets to her next. He goes, how's it going, Debbie? And she goes, not good. And everybody looks up from the Bible study circle. No, she, he's like, what's going on? She goes, my husband is gone every weekend. He's gone every night. When he comes home, he's got nothing left for me. He's so understated that my husband is a jerk. And I'm like, you want to do this right now in front of God and everyone? Let's get it on. And we start arguing. And everybody in the Bible study, they, they think it's a skit. They think it's a sketch. 
It's not. It's real. And we are going at it. Pastor Green knows it's not a skit. So he, he starts going off on me. He goes, let me tell you something, Greg. You don't take care of business at home. I don't care if you're a pastor of the largest church in America. I don't care if Dare to Share is a global ministry. You ain't nothing if you don't take care of business at home. This guy had been ticking me off in staff meeting anyway. So I go, yeah, yeah. I stand up and go, how about I just kick your butt? And I charge him. Now everybody in the Bible study just stops. Like, oh my goodness, what is happening right now? And I am halfway across the room. I figure, man, I got eternal life. I'm going out with a bang, right? And boom, the Holy Spirit hits me in the middle of the room and I collapse and I begin to weep. I've never felt anything like that before in my life. I wept, not cried, wept. Think toddler that really hurts his foot, right? That can't catch his breath. That is me. I am in the fetal position wailing and crying, which led to another awkward moment because nobody knew what to do because I was their pastor. Did we call a priest? Did we get the Catholics involved with this thing? Is there an exorcism type situation? They prayed over me they, and I just could not catch my breath for 30 minutes. It was the most embarrassing, humiliating moment in my life. And it saved my ministry and it saved my marriage because there was no hiding after that. The cat was out of the bag. The jerk was out of the bag. Everybody knew. I tied it in with my Sunday morning service. I said, hey, perhaps you've heard about my meltdown through the prayer chain, which all of them had. That church rallied, Grace Church rallied around me and my wife, helped restore our marriage, and really strengthened me in ministry. Helped me begin to program my priorities. And if I tell my wife, you're a priority, that means I need to spend time with my wife. Uh, I need to program those priorities. And what's true in a marriage is true of ministry. If we say evangelism is a priority, but we don't program it, it's not a priority. If we say discipleship is a priority in our ministry, but we don't program it, it's not a priority. If we say prayer is a priority in our ministry, but it's not in our schedules and it's not on our rundown, it is not it is not a priority. So this is where the rubber meets the road for all the values. If you don't program it, it's not going to get done. Just like early on in my marriage, I had to begin to program time in, date nights and time to talk and building that relationship. We need to program our priorities into ministry. The passage I'm going to go to is a, is a great passage. It's Acts 6, but we're actually going to back up uh, a verse to Acts 5.42 and then read through Acts 6, 1 through 7. Day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they, the early church, never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. In those days, there was a number of disciples that was increasing. The Hellenistic Jews among them complained about the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in a daily distribution of food. <laughs> So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. You see, they're programming their priorities. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of, Holy, of the Holy Spirit, also Philip, Procurus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenius, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed, laid their hands on them. So, 
What was the result? The word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. That's what we want to see, right? We want to see spiritual momentum. It was blowing up. Everything began to multiply. Why? Because the disciples, the apostles, programmed their priorities and delegated what they didn't actually have to do themselves. Isn't that what every youth leader wants down deep inside, this momentum? This, this spiritual momentum, the Word of God spreading. This rapid numerical growth, the number of disciples increased rapidly. One translation is it multiplied. And last but not least, down deep inside, we want increased ministry influence. A large number of priests became obedient to the faith. When, in that culture, when priests became obedient to the faith, they were the influencers of that culture. So we begin to see this massive momentum. So I want to present to you the big idea, the driving thesis for this priority. It's this. The only way to create unstoppable supernatural, moment, supernatural momentum, experience rapid numerical growth, and increased ministry influence is by relentlessly prioritizing prayer and the ministry of the Word, ruthlessly programming them into our schedules, and regularly delegating everything else. So let's kind of break that apart. Let's talk through that thesis, that big idea. Number one, we want that spiritual momentum. Relentlessly prioritize prayer and the ministry of the Word. Prayer, the ministry of the word, including evangelism, should be a spiritual leader's first priority. You are a youth leader. This should be your first priority. Not what games you're going to play this uh, Wednesday night. Not, hey, what are we going to do at camp for fun this year? Number one priority is prayer and the ministry of the word. Look at verse 4. We will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. That Greek word for give our attention uh, in that NIV is translated to devote ourselves to in the NAS and give ourselves continually to in the KJV. This is a relentless, obsessive focus on prayer and the ministry of the word. This is not like we're going to just pay attention to it. This is like this is what our focus is going to be. So, prayer. We're going to give our attention to prayer in the ministry of the Word. Prayer was the first priority of the, uh, of the early disciples and the apostles. The early church kicked off with a 10-day prayer meeting. When Jesus ascended into heaven, they began a 10-day prayer meeting. Prayer is a constant theme in the epistles. Prayer is a constant theme in the gospels. The leader of the band, right, the leader of, of, of the whole, the, the ultimate gospel advancing leader, Jesus himself, Forty, according to Dr. Dan Spader, over 45 sections of Scripture covering 30 events record how Jesus would often slip away to pray. He prayed for wisdom. He prayed for his disciples. He prayed for the lost. And in John 17, he even prays for us. Jesus was always escaping ministry opportunities to pray. Prayer was this priority of Jesus, and it was also this apostolic priority. Is it your priority? I think especially in this Western culture that, that we're in here in America, right? We're used to kind of doing things on our own and achieving things on our own. We tend to have more money, more budget, more organization. We depend on the systems and the schemes and the cash and our whiteboards to get stuff done. What we need to depend on is God. And that is taken out through prayer. I love this quote. Uh, by Leonard Ravenhill. No man is greater than his prayer life. The pastor who is not praying is playing. The people who are not praying are straying. 
We have many organizers, but few agonizers. Many players and few prayers. Many singers, few clingers. Lots of pastors, few wrestlers. Many fears, few tears. Much fashion, little passion. Many interferers, few intercessors. Many writers, but few fighters. Failing here, we fail everywhere. We fail in prayer, we fail. So focus on prayer. It's, it's the oil in our ministry engine. It's the air in our ministry lungs. It's the oasis in the ministry desert. Prayer should not be our last resort, but our first response. So what I'm saying is, pray. If it's not a priority in your life, in your ministry, start today. Program it. Secondly, the ministry of the Word. Now there's two, two prongs to the ministry of the Word. Let's talk about the most obvious. The ministry of the Word to the believer. Right? The ministry of God's Word to the believer. It energizes, it does all sorts of things. The Word of God, man, again, like prayer, vastly underestimated. Hebrews 4.12, it's, it's sharper than a two-edged sword. It divides, it lays us bare. It shows our thoughts and intents. It does all of this in our souls. What are some of the things that it does? It energizes new believers to grow quickly. You want to get new believers to grow? Get them in the Word. I mean, get them to absorb the Word. I love this verse, 1 Peter 2.2. 2, like newborn babes, crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Now, a little baby that, that craves for milk. Um, I saw this firsthand. I, I know for sure new newborn babies crave milk. When my wife and I had our first baby, Jeremy, uh, we soon after took, took him with us on a vacation. We went on a cruise ship, the Adventure of the Seas, and uh, it was after, I think it was after uh, 9-11, so nobody, nobody was going anywhere. Everybody was terrified. Cruise, cruise ship tickets were cheap, and I'm like, we'll go, you know, and so we, we go, and uh, man, we had, we had a great time, but the very first thing you do when you get on a cruise ship, after you, they put your bags in place, they have what they, they, uh, they have everybody kind of do this life vest, lifeboat drill. So everybody puts on a life vest, and they go to what what's called their muster station, right? And that's basically where the lifeboats would be if the ship were to go down. It's a nice way to start. <laughs> hey, just in case. Um, so you got 4,000 plus people. This, I think at the time, largest cruise ship in, in the ocean. 4,000 people, and we go out there, and, you know, I have my life vest on, my wife has her life vest on, and I have little Jeremy, their little baby life vest, you know, and I'm kind of holding him, <clears throat> and we go out there, and we're standing in lines. Well, my wife and I are in front, right, right at the very end. I'm at the very, very end. I'm holding Jeremy, and we're in a place where it's kind of tilted toward the rest of the crowd, so there's, I mean, thousands of people that are there, and at least hundreds of them could see us. Well, we had made the mistake of not feeding Jeremy. Jeremy was hungry. He craved milk. And so we're sitting there with these, you know, and he's, he's starting to cry and he's starting to reach for something. And and I realized what he was reaching for. It was on, on these vests, there were lights. And these lights were in the shape of uh, nipples. And he latched on the one and started sucking away. And I'm like, oh my goodness, everybody's watching this, cracking up. I pull him off. He's like, where, 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 where? Everybody's looking at me. And I'm like, to my wife, I, I go, Deb, hold, hold him. She goes, nope. And she steps away. And so I finally just let him latch on and suck away. I'm trying to get some milk out of this light on my life vest. And everybody was cracking up. And I was mortified, right? Even now, I'm embarrassed telling that story because it was so embarrassing 
thing, having Jeremy try to get milk out of this light on my life vest. Let me tell you something. He wanted milk. He craved it. He didn't get it. Our kids go to youth group with this crave for the milk of God's Word. And in so many youth groups, they're not getting it. They get games, they get fun, they maybe get a little bit of word, but it's just a lot of stuff and fluff. Our kids long for the milk of God's Word, and we have to get it to them. We have to get it to them. I remember, you know, speaking on <clears throat> the Trinity once at a Dare to Share conference, and a girl came up to me and she said, I just want to thank you for thinking we can get this stuff. I feel vastly underestimated in my youth ministry. I want to tell you, your kids can go deeper than you think they can. And yeah, we got we to, gotta, you know, spice it up and ask the questions, show the movie clips, but go deep. Do sound doctrine and sound bites. Give them the milk of the word and you will see your youth group thrive. I talked to Austin French, who's on the Winter Jam tour with us. Man, he said he got in youth group. There was like four or five kids in youth group. He had a new youth leader couple that took over. They didn't know how to do youth ministry. So they said, we're just going to kind of go with the Bible and read it and study it and ask questions. And we're going to all talk about it. And so the Bible says we should be praying. So we're gonna, let's pray for the lost. Let's pray for our schools. Uh, the Bible says we should share our faith. So let's all share our faith. And so they start doing all this stuff. And guess what? Within a year, it was 150 teenagers. And it, he said it was the Word of God that was the center of everything. We just did everything it said, and we everybody wanted the growth. They were craving the milk of God's Word. Secondly, what the ministry of the Word does, it equips growing believers to discern God's will. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds, so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. When you begin to teach teenagers God's Word, they're able to discern on their own media choices, friendship choices, all sorts of stuff. When I was a middle school leader, uh, I had a rule. You can listen to any radio station, in my car, any song, as we drive. You just have to think through the lyrics, and if the lyrics don't match up with God's Word in some way, if they contradict God's Word in some way, you change the channel. And it was awesome to begin to see over the course of a year, kids would begin to change the channel on their own as we kind of talk through lyrics. The Bible helps them discern. It enables, the third point, it enables any believer to make disciples. Colossians 3.16, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another, not just the mature, admonishing the mature or the immature, but, but those new believers admonishing each other, right? One another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude, uh, gratitude in your hearts. What uh, my old youth leaders used to tell me is you just got to be one step ahead of, of the, uh, the, the other new believer and, and continue to grow and go. So there's a ministry of the Word to the believer. There's a ministry of the Word to the unbeliever. The reason I used Acts 5.42, the last verse before we get to chapter 6, is it says the different kind of ministry of the Word. The ministry to the unbeliever. Day after day in the temple courts from house to house, they never stop teaching God's Word, proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. So when Luke, the writer of Acts, refers to the ministry of the Word in Acts 6, 1-7, he was assuming that included evangelism because that's what the verse talks about before. right? And so we need a ministry of the Word to the unbeliever and to the believer.
Now, in doing this, it's always a tug of war. You know, you play that game of tug of war, right? One side, then the other side, then the other side, then the other side. When it comes to discipleship and teaching God's word to believers and reaching out to the lost, we want to keep that line in the middle. We want to keep ministering to the believer with God's word. We want to keep ministering to the uh, reaching, evangelizing unbeliever with God's word as well. So let me repeat our big idea statement. The only way to create unstoppable supernatural momentum, experience rapid numeric growth, and increase ministry influence is by relentlessly prioritizing prayer and the ministry of the word. And secondly, ruthlessly program these priorities into your schedule. And you got to be ruthless, ruthless about it. You got to, but you also got to be realistic about it, right? Because problems will arise. You're in youth ministry. Problems arose in the early church. Acts six one. In those days, when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in a daily distribution of food. Why were they being overlooked? Because it really wasn't a food problem. It was a favoritism problem. So the Hebraic uh, Jews. Uh, Jewish widows um, were, were, were receiving the food, but the Hellenistic, those who kind of bought off on the kind of the, the Greek culture, they were being overlooked. So there was definite favoritism in this situation. And by the way, just as a side note, isn't it kind of nice when you read passages like this because you realize, okay, we're not the only ones with problems in our culture, that the early church struggled with all sorts of problems. And if you really feel discouraged, read the book of 1 Corinthians because you're going to see all sorts of a different level of problems that they struggle with. But we have problems in youth ministry. Maybe there's a handful of teenagers you, you, that think you show favoritism, right? They keep saying their old youth leader loved every teen equally and that you don't. Or maybe it's kids show up to youth group, claim to be transgender, and want to go to camp. Where do you put them, right? Maybe it's a small group of parents that get upset about using a secular movie clip uh, and to make a spiritual point that you do in youth group. Uh, maybe the church is built, has a new building project and all the budgets are frozen, right? There's all sorts of problems that we can face. Now, we, and there's problems that we have to address as youth leaders, but focusing all of our efforts on fixing these kinds of problems can crowd out true God-given priorities. So I just want you to be thinking about that. Be thinking about the importance of focusing your priorities uh, on prayer and the ministry of the Word and then streamlining how you deal with the rest. We'll talk about that in just a few minutes. Be, be realistic about it and be ruthless about it. I mean, the disciples say it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the Word of God in order to wait on tables. So we need to program these priorities into our lives and into our schedules, uh, prayer, uh, the ministry of the Word. How do you do that? Uh, all sorts of ways that you can be ruthless about it. I talked to a youth group last week in Oklahoma City. You know what they do? They dismiss half of their leaders, their adult leaders, during worship to pray for the teens in the room. And when that, other, the, when that half comes back in, the other half of adult leaders leave to pray. And I asked him the question, hey, what about your student leaders? And he goes, hmm, that's another consideration. So that, But that's the way they program their, their priority of prayer, or one of the ways they do it. Maybe it's including a time for intercessory prayer in your small groups, um, and however you choose to do that. A lot of our youth groups use prayer walls. Um, 
Another simple way uh, to, to program that in is the new Life in Six Words app uh, that we have because you can literally have students program the names of the people they're praying for into their phones uh, and you can, you know, keep each other accountable with that and keep yourself accountable with regular prayer reminders. Uh, by the way, just to encourage you, if you've not downloaded the Life in Six Words app, boy, is a way to program your priorities of prayer and evangelism so simple and it's free right and it's simple and don't just use it a lot of youth leaders just make the mistake of using it just as a digital track they just do the start a conversation that's great but there's there's face sharing groups and each student can have a cause circle it will help you program your priorities okay the third the third point i want to make if you want that momentum is rigorously delegate everything else Acts 2, the apostles gathered everyone together to say it would be night right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you or none to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We'll turn this responsibility over to them and we'll give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole group. And you may be thinking, man, I got nobody else to delegate, delegate to. Okay, that may be a realistic situation. So one of the things you got to still, I mean, you got a transgender kid coming to camp, you got to deal with that situation. I understand that. You got you got a budget freeze, you have to figure that thing out. I understand that. But you need to start building a ministry leadership team, right? So that you can have a group of reliable people you can begin to delegate to. You need to build uh, friendships with st other staff members. And you need to really strengthen that relationship with your pastor and really begin to build that squad to help you lead uh, and so that you can begin to delegate what you can uh, for the advancement of the gospel. Um, but if you can delegate, delegate. If you're in a situation now where you have a team, delegate everything that you can. I think sometimes in our quest to prove we're servants of God, we take responsibilities that someone else should do. We must realize the best way we can serve our teens is by praying for them, preparing great Bible-soaked lessons, and equip them to share the gospel. That's the best way we can serve our students. What will the result be? Remember our big idea. The only way to create unstoppable supernatural momentum experience rapid numerical growth and increase ministry influence is by relentlessly prioritizing prayer and the ministry of the word ruthlessly programming them into our schedules and rigorously delegating everything else now when you choose to do this the road may actually get harder at first not only will you have to force the ministry of uh, uh, gravity working against you, uh, but not only will you have the force of ministry gravity working against you, but Satan himself will do everything he can to distract you from these priorities. So sometimes God allows tragedy to get our attention and remind us to pray, to remind us that apart from him, we can do nothing. Sometimes God uses tragedy. Sometimes God uses problems. It brings us to our knees. I've seen this in my life, and I've seen it in our ministry. God wants us dependent on him. He wants us praying. He want us, wants us ministering the word. See, we need the right medication for our real ministry problems. I think a lot of us were taking the wrong medication. So this last week, um, probably the last 10 days, I've been extremely sick. I had something wrong in my lower GI, my inner bowels, and it was not good because I'm on the winter jam tour. 
And right before me, right before I preach, is Andy Minio, right? And I remember two weeks ago, two weekends ago, he was singing, You Can't Stop Me. And I had to run to the bathroom thinking the same thing, right? Because I did not want to poop my pants on stage. It was, it's just been horrible, horrible sickness. So I get back and I am down. I mean, I never take time off work. Once in a great while, I'll take a day off work because of sickness. But I, I was down for three days on my back and in the bathroom. I think I set a record, just so you know. Um, <clears throat> and so horrib horribly sick. I finally um, go into urgent care because my doctor can't see me. And I go in and um, they, you know, take a sample and they give me some medicine. And they said, we'll let you know within 24 hours uh, exact if you have, they thought I had e, e. coli. So I start taking the medicine. Well, thank the Lord. I, I start taking, um, I, I go in on Wednesday. They call me. Thursday morning and say, stop that medication right now. You don't have uh, E. coli. You have C. diff, which is this highly, I mean, it's a dangerous, dangerous thing. A lot of people die with C. diff. And go right away. So, I mean, I used all my strength to get out of the bed and get in my car and drive to the pharmacy where I finally got the right medication. And within 24 hours, I was on a plane and started to go on the mend, right? And it took time, and I'm still actually um, sick with it. It takes 10 days to kind of work your way through this. The reason I'm telling you that is because I think a lot of times, youth ministry, we've prescribed the wrong medication. We think to win this generation, we need more games. We need more lights. We need more smoke machines. We need better camps. We need uh, more fun retreats. We need to entertain these kids. We need flashier curriculum. Let me tell you, that's the wrong medication. What your kids need is the right medication. They need prayer. They need the ministry of the word to the believer, to them. And they need the ministry of the word to the unbeliever. They need to be equipped to share the gospel. And yeah, we can have games and we can have lights and we should have camps and retreats and all that other fun stuff. But it is nothing, nothing compared to the real medication of the gospel, of God's word, and of prayer. So program these priorities into your youth ministry. Let me pray for you. Father, I just pray for every youth leader listening to this. And Lord, if somebody's listening to this that doesn't let yet know your son, I pray, God, that they would believe that, that you love them, but also understand that their sin separates them from you, and those sins could never be removed by good deeds, but that Jesus paid the price for their sin on the cross and rose again. And Lord, I pray that they would understand it's by faith alone in him they can have eternal life, and enter into this personal, permanent relationship with you. And Father, I pray for those who already know that and have embraced that message. May we go back to the right medication so we can begin to see that unstoppable spiritual momentum in our youth groups. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, thanks so much, Greg, and welcome again to another Takeaways, Tips, and Tools. I am John Burdett. 
And I'm Carrie. And we're so glad to have you with us today. And uh, as always, great stuff. And wrapping up this uh, this series of the seven values of a gospel advancing ministry with the seventh value, ongoing programs reflect it. And it's always great stuff. Carrie, what was something oh, that yeah. stood out to you? Yeah, this is such a great value. I mean, it's just mm-hmm. so important for sure. I know for me personally, like the thing that hit me the most as he was speaking was just that analogy of the tug of war. And yeah. I know um, for me, all the years in youth ministry, it's always a struggle because you so desperately want to disciple and grow your students who are already all in and you know loving the Lord but also you want to be able to reach new people and when right. they bring their friends you want right. you know the programming to make sense and yeah. use language that kind of works for them and mm-hmm. so um, I loved how he put you know you always want to kind of keep that balance in the middle of the rope kind mm-hmm. of you know right there in the center and and kind of just balancing all of that when you're yeah. thinking through how to program your priorities yeah. right yeah, yeah that's huge sure. that's huge yeah. and yeah. Uh, really what stood out to me and I actually wrote it down as he said sometimes in our quest to prove that we are servants, we take responsibilities that someone else should do. Mm, and when yeah. I think about programming so priorities, true. you know, it's like sometimes the struggle is the distraction of trying to do too much. Yeah. And so, and, I, and he talked about this, you know, you might be a youth leader who you kind of have to do everything right now. The concept of a, mm-hmm. uh, a leadership team seems kind of far out to you. Uh, but listen, I want to really encourage you to, to pray and ask God to provide and to seek uh, for him yeah. to provide the right leaders and to just begin that process of recruiting and identifying and building that team. And even so, in the in the process now, you, you don't always have to look too far. I mean, right? you got students, students, yeah. committed students. So if you're if you're always building uh, the the PowerPoint, all the media, mm-hmm. doing all the mm-hmm. picking out all the games, setting up the room, you don't have to do all that. You can actually yeah. rely on some students Absolutely. to do that, so that you can focus on the main thing and that is prayer and the ministry of the word. Yeah, yeah. Don't forget that, youth leaders. We love you, but yeah. let it go. That's Delegate. Right. Okay, you, you can, can do <laughs> this. Really, it's going to help you. I know so many of you are just such servant-hearted people, but let it go. Delegate it. You got this. It's going to be awesome. I yeah, almost, yeah. I almost started singing the song. Let it go. <laughs> yes, yeah. Don't. That, that would not we work don't out. Want we don't do want that. that. We don't we'll do save. That. We'll, we'll spare you on that. So well, let's talk sure. about some tips, some yeah. practical uh, tips yeah. that they can apply. And one of the ones that I was always passionate about, and as a youth leader and also a pastor, mm-hmm. is hey, we said we prioritize the gospel, and so what does that look like? And not just saying it in a mission statement or on a website, but actually how you program it. And That's so really, the the key was as a youth leader, we always always gave the gospel every Wednesday night when we were together, regardless of the message. As a as a pastor on Sunday mornings, my uh, it didn't matter what the topic, text, or series was, mm-hmm. I always created that time and space at the end to give the gospel. I even took it a step, obviously a commitment to God, but also a pledge to my church family to Absolutely, say, yeah. you know, you never have to worry or wonder if you invite someone to our church mm-hmm. and they come who doesn't know Jesus, you don't have to wonder or worry, are, you, are they going to hear the gospel? No, the gospel is going to be presented clearly every time with an invitation for them to respond. And that is a simple yet very powerful way to program uh, a priority there. Yeah, it's so important. There's so many advantages mm-hmm. to it. Like you said that's so great another thing that um, I want to recommend to you is just really taking some time to program time for prayer and not just the time for prayer but how you're going to approach it and think about some creative ways that you could use to really engage students and their hearts and mm-hmm. helping them to connect with God in some really, yeah. you know, different ways that they might not be used to. Because let's be honest, it's kind of hard for students to know how to do that on their own. And so, right. like, we tried a couple different methods that we would kind of, like, rotate each week, mm-hmm. but we would we would spend extended time preparing that because let's be honest, a lot of us, we spend more time preparing for a game or something sure. than we do that special prayer time. And it's so much more important, you guys. And so, mm-hmm. just really want to encourage 
encourage you to to spend almost as much time as you do preparing for your message on yeah. that time in prayer, um, and definitely less time than you do preparing a game for sure. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Take that time and energy you would put into the the message or the lesson, and and, and let, let somebody else do the game, and then yeah, yeah. even the creative way to engage them in a prayer experience. And, and honestly, we talk to youth leaders a lot who've done that, and and, and oh, students love so it. So fruitful. They students eat it up. Do they love they it. dig into Absolutely. it, and it's wonderful. Yeah, it's, and yeah. it teaches them so much and how to connect with yeah. God. It's so great, you know. Yeah. Um, another thing that we want to encourage you to do for us here right now, we're getting ready for Easter. It's just around the corner, and so another great idea might be to have some kind of an outreach involving Easter. Now, normally we think of like little kids with Easter egg hunts, right? But um, I've heard of a friend of mine who does this Easter egg hunt for teens, and it's so cool. They they go around, they get really great donations, like gift cards and stuff that mm. teens love, right? Electronic things, all this sort of stuff. And all the students get pumped about it. They invite their friends to come out for this outreach event, and they do kind of like this cool little kind of take on an Easter egg hunt, but you know, adults, teen version. Can adults participate? Yeah, I don't think so. Be... I think it's just teens. <laughs> okay, well, um, but that. it's just really great. And yeah. you know, one of the best parts about preparing for an event like that is to teach your core students who are already believers and want to reach mm. their friends how to share the gospel during an outreach event like yeah. that, whatever it is, whether yeah. it's Easter or something else. And so just keep that in mind as you're preparing for these outreach events. Don't just, again, do yeah. it all yourself, right? Yeah. Train your students how to have those conversations even during the outreach. And a great way to do that is to use our Life in Six Words app. For yeah. sure. Yeah, absolutely. And there's been some some updates yeah. um, that we're working yeah. on, kind of yeah. testing out, right? Greg talked about the app, and and obviously it's a great way to prioritize evangelism because we kind of formulated this app where all you have, you can if you can swipe you can share to <laughs> go through that. the gospel yeah. and right and then yeah. prioritizing prayer too because it's got the cause circle functionality mm-hmm. where you can insert names of friends and they can pray care and share with and then yes there's some really even more updates but coming wait, very soon. There's, there's more. more. Yeah. And so the new update is, uh, and we're kind of beta testing it right now, but it is going to be coming out in multiple languages. So right now it's oh, just in English, so but we're going to come. At, it's going to be coming out in Spanish, uh, French, mm. German, Hungarian, mm. and then there's also going to be this heat map that kind of shows on the on the globe uh, and all across the country, you know, where it's being downloaded and being used. And so really, really a neat way to just kind of keep it as a focus in your ministry and so a great, great discipleship tool as well as That's you're prioritizing so these programs. And such great feedback yeah, from that. I mean, absolutely. everybody is just loving it. Yeah, it's great stuff. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Hey, thank you so much for yeah. spending some time with us today. Yeah. Please know that we love you guys so much, and we pray for you daily. And we are just yeah. so glad to be on this journey with you. And we're going to just keep sharing with you until every teen everywhere hears the gospel from a friend.